Good morning, church. You can go ahead and, and have a seat. Man, there's a lot of you out there. Hopefully I don't make you too mad. Come up here and beat me up. It'll be, it'll be okay. You can smile. It's all right. It's all, it's all good. Hey, we, we got ESV Bibles. How about that? So uh, if you uh, are a first-time guest here, welcome to Church Project. We're not going to project the, 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 what is it, the Bible verses up on the screen. We're going to ask you to have your Bible in front of you. I think it's important. Everything that we do, we want it to be biblical. So we think it's important that you have your own Bible in front of you. In fact, if you don't have a Bible here this morning, um, there's some over by Big O' Ray right there. He can either give you an NIV or an ESV today. There's some over here as well. And if you just, uh, you don't want to walk, just raise your hand up and, and we'll bring one to you. And if you don't own a Bible, this is our gift to you. Like, we believe in this, and we want everyone to have Scripture in their hands. And so, um, welcome to Church Project. We've been walking through the book of Luke for about two years now. Can you believe that? We've been walking verse by verse through the book of Luke. There's so much to be found in Scripture when we can, when we can see who's writing and to, and to whom they're writing and what it's all about. And so, as we've been walking through the book of Luke, we're finding ourselves this week in Luke chapter 19. Verses 11 through 27. Luke chapter 19, verses 11 through 27. Last week was an incredible week. Um, Jason Shelton, thank you, buddy. Thank you for coming and and teaching. Uh, Jason's very busy. He has a full-time job that requires about 80 hours of his time every week. Um, And then he also chose to give us the message last week, and I think he did a phenomenal job highlighting the passage before us about um, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and how the whole thrust of that passage is not about Zacchaeus, but it's about Jesus and knowing Jesus, and the story is about Jesus. And Jason, thank you for just highlighting the beauty of Scripture for us last week. Appreciate that. This week, we're going to jump in Luke chapter 19, verses 11 through 27. Uh, We'll read through it one time, and then we'll go ahead and kind of start picking it apart and see what God may have for us in this place. So Luke chapter 19, verses 11 through 27 starts and says this. As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable. Because he was near to Jerusalem, and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. He said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then returned. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas and said to them, engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. Verse 15. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him, saying, Lord, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said to him, Well done, good servant. Because you have been very, because you have been faithful in very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, And you are to be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Lord, here is your mina, when, when I, uh, which I kept lay away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you, because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit, and reap what you did not sow. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit, and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money back in the bank, and at my coming I might have collected it with interest? 
And he said to those who stood by, Take the mina from him and give it to the one who has the ten minas. And they said to him, Lord, he has ten minas. Verse 26. I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. But as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. Let's pray. God, I pray, this is powerful verses. Church, would you pray that the words I speak today are from God? And God, I pray that for our hearts, they're opened, our minds are sharp, that your Holy Spirit will teach us exactly what it is you want us to hear today. And it's your name we pray. Amen. Wow, how many of you pre-read this before, before today? How many of you thought, okay, this is going to be a fun one, especially that last verse, like slaughtering and all this stuff. This is going to be a good verse here, right? Well, if you pre-read this, it, it can be a little confusing, but I want to start and I want to say this. This is a parable, and we say this often about parables. Parables, they're word pictures, and we need to be careful when we come across parables that we're not extrapolating too much from the truth that's already there. Like it's possible to read into the parable too much and start making it say that the things that it wasn't intended to say. But parables are true. Everything about the parable is true. And so as we look at this parable, Jesus is sitting and he's talking. He's about to go to Jerusalem. He's, this is his last walk. He's going and he's about to go into the Passion Week, which if you know about that, that's Easter. And that's when Jesus is, is, is crucified on the cross. It's when he is risen from the dead. And we, we've seen the Passion of the Christ, that, that movie. We've seen this. And this is right before Jesus goes to Jerusalem. And so as he's here, he's telling this parable. And I like in verse 11, this is what it says. As they heard these things. Well, as who heard these things? Yeah, you kind of got to look to the previous verses. And if you were here last week, the people that were around, Jesus is talking to Zacchaeus. He's talking to his disciples. He's talking to the people there. And as they heard these things, as they heard Jesus saying, hey, Zacchaeus, we little man. And as Jason showed us last week, it, that wasn't about Zacchaeus. It was about Jesus and his greatness. And so as people are listening to him and wanting to be near him, as they were doing this, Jesus proceeds and goes into this parable because he already had their attention. He already knew that they were listening. So as they heard these things, he proceeded to tell this parable. He ties together what was previously said, which was about Jesus himself, and he, and he starts talking about this. Why is he doing this? He has their attention. And this is what they're thinking about Jesus at this time. They thought he would enter Jerusalem as a conquering king as a liberating king, ready to throw out the Roman government and take charge. Like they, they're thinking, this is the man, Jesus, right here, who's going to set us free from the oppression of Rome. Like this is our savior. And they're excited about this. They're so excited. And I wonder if you're a disciple at this time. You've been walking with Jesus. You've been experiencing all this life with Jesus. You're seeing all these miracles. You're seeing the greatness of Jesus. I wonder if the disciples had little bets going as they were coming into Jerusalem. Like, 
Okay, how do you think Jesus is going to conquer Rome? Like, how do you think he's going to overthrow everything? How do you think he's going to set us free? Do you think it's going to be some unheard of miracle? I mean, so far you've seen him, like, raise people from the dead. We've seen him walk on water. We've seen him do all this thing. So I wonder if the disciples, because at this point, they're not getting it. They think Jesus is literally in the flesh right now going to go into Jerusalem and overturn it and overturn Rome and set them free from the oppression of Rome. So I wonder what the bets would look like. Yeah, I bet Jesus comes in and like, I don't know, clouds come and eat people up or something. Like, I wonder what kind of bets, because to this point, they've seen miraculous things, haven't they? If I'm following this man named Jesus and I'm oppressed by Rome, I'm wondering what great thing my eyes are about to behold. And I'm excited. I am, I am ready to go. In a very real way, they had false confidence at this time. They were looking for outward things, and Jesus was like, I'm going to do something. Jerusalem, the temple, it will be destroyed in 70 AD. We'll get to that in a little bit, but I'm doing something beyond today, something that's going to blow your mind, and they had false confidence. Any of you ever had false confidence? No? Don't admit. Everyone's like, I can't raise my hand. CJ is as he's walking out. Bye, CJ. Don't come, come back, bro. It's all good. No, go ahead. Go to the bathroom. All right. I wrestled a lot of years. I was talking to Kent a little bit about what do you do, jiu-jitsu, whatever. I, I wrestled from third grade all the way through high school. And my, my, uh, my high school years were pretty good. Had pretty good records. My senior year, I, I move into districts, and districts is right before state, right? And I, you know, I've been getting first and second. There's this guy, Olgeen, that would always get first. Oh, Olgeen was tough. But it was guaranteed. Like every tournament, it would end up Aaron Havens and Olgeen in the finals. That's just what would happen. So we move into district, and I'm, I'm just kind of complacent. I'm like, that's my senior year. I've beat everyone like 100 times. No piece of cake. I can walk on the mat and do this thing. And I, and I come across this guy from Lyman, I, small little town that I'd never wrestled before. And I'm like, all right, whatever, I'll, I'll get him. So I go out there, and within like 10 seconds, I'm on my back, thinking, what? And I fight my whole first period on my back, going, what happened? Right? Second period, same thing. What happened? Like, I ended up losing that match my senior year to this unnamed guy. I walked into this match with false confidence, saying, look at me, I, I'm going to make it to state. I might even win state. I barely made it to state my second year. Because I was full of pride, had self-confidence, false confidence. I'm wondering as these disciples, as they're about to march into Jerusalem, if they're like, my team's got it, right? Broncos going to win the Super Bowl, whatever it may be. Like, we've got this thing. And they're looking in the wrong direction. As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was about, uh, he was near to Jerusalem. And because they were, and they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. They think that the kingdom of God is going to appear immediately. They think that Jesus is going to go in. He's going to set them free immediately. Jesus is teaching a delay in his return as we look at this. He's, he's, he's making it clear to these disciples. He's teaching a delay in, in the retu- his return. He's saying, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. He've already, he's already told them this, but they can't understand it. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be d- killed. Then I'm going to raise from the dead. And they, they're, they're thinking, all right, I don't understand this. They don't know it yet. And he's teaching them. He's saying, I'm going to go. I'm going to be killed. There's going to be ascension. I'm going to rise from the dead, which is great. 
And then I'm going to come back. It's the perusa. It's when I come back. I am going to come back. I'm going to return. And what I'm talking about is this time from when I rise from the dead and when I come back. He's talking in that time period. But all they can hear is what's going to happen in the next day. They're, they're missing it. It's, it's kind of like this. You know, you're in your favorite TV show and it's the last season or the last show of the season. And at the end it says to be continued, dot, 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 right? You know, oh, I got to wait all summer to see how this thing goes. Anyone ever been there? Like dot, dot, dot. And Jesus is saying, this great thing's going to happen. They're not quite getting it. And he's saying, to be continued, dot, dot, dot. Like I will return. And then Jesus, this is what Jesus is talking about. They think it's immediate, but Jesus has other things. Let's look in verse 12. As he said, he said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Jesus is saying, I will depart in this parable. I will depart. I am this noble man. I will go. I am going to be appointed king and I will return. And I like how it says nobility. Jesus has authority by royalty, by noble birth, not by approval. He's not coming and saying, hey, like, like we do in America, you know, popular vote, will I be royalty? Will I be nobility? Be I, will I be the returning king? He says, that's not the case. I am nobility. Why am I nobility? By who I am. Jesus is the son of God himself. He says, I am God. I am the king of kings. We elect presidents and we elect kings, don't we, on this, on this earth. And Jesus says, that doesn't matter. I am king because I am king. He wasn't elected by man. Jesus was appointed by God, noble, altogether set apart. And as he gets into this parable, that's how he starts. He says, I am this noble man. I'm going to a far country. I will return. Then he looks at us in verse 13. What does he say to us, church? What does he say to his servants in in verse 13? Those who call his name. What, do they, what does he say? He says, calling 10 of the servants together, he gave them 10, ten minas and said to them, engage in business until I return. Engage in business until I return. 10 minas isn't, isn't a lot. It's like three months worth of wages that, that he gives out. And he gives it to the 10 servants. He gives them all the same amount. You can think of another story earlier in the Bible when, when God gave talents to different people, but he gave them all different amounts of talents and returned to see what they did with them. This is very similar, except he takes 10 people and he gives them the exact same amount of money and says, what are you going to do when I return to this? They all have the same opportunity to work on behalf of the king. Church, he has given each of us a life to invest I have a life, you have a life, 10 minas. We have a life to invest. Jesus says, you are my ambassadors. Like, I'm going away. I'm about to die, and I'm going away. And he looks at us, church, and he says, you have 10 minas. What are you going to do with this life that I've given to invest? He's entrusted the work of his kingdom to his disciples, to us, the men and women right now. He's entrusted the work of of his kingdom to us, his church. Well, what is the work of the church? It's pretty simple. Matthew 24, 19. 
Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Church, are we making disciples of all nations? Are we walking in light of this incredible responsibility that God's given us and this incredible honor that God's given us? He's saying, this is your ten minas. This is your life. Church, how are we living our life? Most of us, we go through life just casual. Like it's another day, like it's another week, like this is just what we have. And as Jesus looks at us, he says, I've given us all the same amount of life here. It's your life. I've entrusted you with this great power. Are you making disciples? And I have to ask myself this question. Am I making disciples? As his church, our feet go a thousand places this week. Just in this room right here, our feet will take us to work, to school, to donut shops. A lot of donut shops for some of us. Like, our feet will take us wherever we go this week. And the question is this, are we making disciples? Have you ever led anyone to Christ? Have you ever sat down and shared your faith with someone, shared the gospel story with someone, people you work with, people you're around? Have you ever done that? Are you making disciples? Have you met with someone younger than you or older than you and shared the story of how God has changed your life? Like he's taken us and he has put the biggest love message in the shell of a human body. And he says, I'm going away. I've given you all my power. I've changed your story in your life. Will you make disciples? Will you go throughout Greeley, Fort Collins, wherever you go, your work, your job, your school, wherever you go, will you, where your feet take you, will you make disciples? That's a powerful question. I have a job for you until I return. This is our one and only life, church. This is it. I think of verses like 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 2. Someone said, I say the verse is too fast and I can't write them down, so I'm going to repeat it. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 2. It's a good one to memorize. It talks about the stewards of the mystery of God. We're stewards of this mystery of God and this gospel message. What about this? 1 Thessalonians 3, 4 says this, but just as we have been approved by God to, entrust, uh, to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak. Not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. Church, are we making disciples wherever we go? Are we representing Jesus wherever we go? I'm busy for Jesus, are you? Like, like I'm busy, but, but oftentimes it's just busy. I, I can just get busy for Jesus. Like I can even show up to church and just check that box and say, yeah, I'm God, I'm busy for you. Like my schedule's slam busy. Like I'm just, I'm, I'm busy. Woohoo. And God's saying, great, awesome. I mean, it's not like anything you're going to do is earn more love for me anyways. So how about you do this, church, Aaron Havens? How about you slow down a little bit? Breathe. Just breathe. I have rescued you from death. Our actions... I've been bad. They've caused separation between a holy God and ourselves. And so we deserve death. And Jesus says, Oh, contraire, mon frere. 
He comes in and he says, I love you. Can you get that, church? I love you. And I've put myself in you. And wherever your feet go, would you slow down? Show people this love? Talk to them like they actually matter? And when you say, how are you doing? Actually mean, how are you doing? Have deep conversations. Because this is a powerful message and an awesome responsibility. And it only comes because God loves us. It should be like breathing for us to represent God wherever we go. We shouldn't have to think about it. It should be part of who we are. But yet I can get so busy. In fact, church can get so busy. One of the things I like about us, Church Project, is we want to be biblical, simple. We want to slow this thing down. We're all running a thousand miles an hour and we all have jobs and we have everything else. But if we ask you to be so busy at church that you can't even go out and talk to your neighbor, do you think we're doing a good thing or a bad thing? Like we want to be so drilled in on what we're doing and we want to be the church everywhere that we go. In fact, announcement, by the way, do you realize we're kind of growing in numbers? Have you, you realized that? A lot, actually. Wonderful. I mean, look around. There's, there's cool people here. And we're going to do something stupid. We're growing in numbers, so we're actually going to stop doing something. We're not doing First Wednesday this month. And we probably won't do First Wednesday anymore. It's just not time for us to do First Wednesday. I want to encourage you to do this, this First Wednesday. Maybe take someone out to eat. Maybe get to know your neighbor a little bit. Maybe get together with the house church person. Maybe do this. Take a nap. Church, can we just be? Let's stop being so busy. And let's just be with God. First Wednesday is about praying. Okay? Go pray. Enjoy your life a little bit. One of the things that I think America, what we've done in kind of a bad way at church as we've said, hey, come to church. There's a thousand programs. Get very busy and stressed out. We're going to slow this thing down. And we're going to say, focus in on your ministry. We have ministries that you can get involved in. The Guadalupe Center. We're, we're forming more ministries as we go along. That's great. But don't forget your ministry, your family. Don't forget the workplace. Everywhere that you go is your ministry. Like, that is huge. Don't ever think, I got to go do ministry. You're doing ministry. You're alive. You're breathing. Go represent God wherever you go. Man, I kind of went on a tangent on that one, didn't I? You're like, Aaron, you realize you were just on verse 13. I'll speed it up. Okay. Verse 14, but his citizens hated him and sent, sent a delegation after him, saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. Well, the hearers of this time when Luke was writing would know that this is the, the Jewish rejection of Jesus. That's all I got to say on that. Okay, let's move on to verse 15. When he returned, having received a kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given money to be called to him, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came to him before him saying, Lord, your mina has earned 10 minas more. That's a thousand percent interest. That's, that's pretty good, right? 17, verse 17. 
And he said to him, well done, good servant, because you have been faithful in very little. You shall have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, your mina has earned 500% interest. And he said to him, and, and you are to be over five cities. Because he took his king serious, because these people took his king seriously, they immediately went out and got busy. They got to work. Wherever they went, they, they got to work. Do you desire to make disciples with your life? Do you, do you desire for this? Jesus wants to give us impact in his kingdom. He wants to do this. He's not looking to punish us, as, as you, some may take the rest of this parable to look like. It's not, okay? Jesus is not looking to punish us. It's actually the opposite. He's actually looking to reward us. Here's the truth. Freedom is found when bondage is broken. Jesus is walking through life and he's saying this to us. He's saying it to them and he's saying it to us. Freedom is found when bondage is broken. So why are you living your life so busy? Why are you being so busy doing these things? Why are you looking in the wrong places? Like it's about me. It's about me loving you. And can you walk in that? And that means our daily life is broken from the bondage of Satan. There's freedom in Christ. And as he is looking at these people and he's going through this parable, he says, okay, all right. So you two, well done. I've, I've given you your life. You've, you've done really good at it. You've been making disciples. Very good. And then what do we do? We get down to verse 20. Then another came saying, Lord, here's your mina, which I've laid away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. He said to them, him, okay. Well, since you said this, I will condemn you with your own words. Those aren't my words. These are your own words. You wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank and at my coming I may have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to the one who has 10 minas. And they said, Lord, he has 10 minas. And he says, I tell you that everyone who has more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. I believe verse 27 for a, for a second. But let's talk about these verses right here. This, this man had a sad view of who God was. He didn't have a correct view of who God was. In fact, what does he do? He attributes God with negative aspects. God cannot be attributed to negative aspects. God is good. He's all good. And if this guy looks at him and says, you're severe, you collect when you, you shouldn't, he's got a wrong view of who God is. Some of them were rewarded, and this one, even what he had, was taken away. Verse 24 is, is a warning about the Jewish temple being destroyed in 70 AD. That's, that's very real. Their time, what he's talking about. And Jesus is not saying this. This is where we can get bad in parables. Jesus is not saying your salvation will be taken away. He's not saying that. Jesus has sealed that. It's a done deal. If we call on the name of Jesus Christ... If we confess our sins to him and say, God, take over my life, he's saying, that's a done deal. Your salvation, done deal. 
So church, don't read into this parable that Jesus is saying, oh, your works weren't good enough. You lose your salvation. That's not what it says at all. Our salvation is sealed in Christ, and it's because of that I celebrate. It's a grace. It's a free gift. And church, we should thank God for that because my actions continue to be bad. How about yours? He says, your salvation is sealed. It's a done deal. We do not do his work. If we do not do his work, we miss out on the reward he has for us. And this is what he's saying. If you don't do my work, if you're not faithful with your life, if you're not making disciples with the life that I've given you right now, you're missing out on my rewards. You're missing out on my rewards now, here, today, and you're missing out on my rewards even in the future. You're missing out on my rewards. How many of you have ever been able to sit down with someone and tell them the love message of the gospel of Christ? How many of you have ever been able to sit down with someone and share, you know, what, what it means to, to be walking in freedom because of Jesus' love and, and to make disciples? I tell you what, I am now a pastor. I'm in this church, and, and don't, don't confuse me. This isn't the pinnacle of ministry, okay? This is not. This is just the path that Jesus has taken me. But how many of you in your workplaces, in your family, and where you go, it is a joy to share the love of Jesus Christ with people? If we're not, and you call yourself a Christian, okay, your salvation is sealed. Wonderful. You're just missing out on so much, church, to be able to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ. We have a built-in message of power within us, and to share it with other people is such an honor. I'm kind of like an addict. Right? It starts with just saying, okay, I might say Jesus loves you to the clerk, Okay, Jesus loves you. That wasn't as bad as I thought. Well, I feel bad for anyone that came and looked at a house that we're trying to rent out, us, our family, this week. Because they came in. A lot of people came in. Every single person. After I showed them the house, I'm like, hey, you like the house? Yeah, that's great. I would say, cool. Where do you go to church? (laughs) Oh, I don't know. I kind of, I might go, ah, here, go to church. Like, like. I'm not being bashful anymore. And we shouldn't be bashful anymore. This is a powerful message. This is a love message. And Jesus' heart is breaking. Can you see that Jesus' heart is breaking and he's trying to relate to these people in any way possible that he can? He's even using this man's words and saying, listen, you're thinking wrong. And so let me dispel the way that you're thinking. That's not me. This is not love. And Jesus is looking at us saying, don't think of me wrong. Let's go to verse 27, because I'm making this long. Sorry. You can throw something at me next time. Just Verse 27 says this, But as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. It's a nice feel-good verse. You know what I like about this? This is absolute truth. Scripture is absolute truth. In the world where absolute truth is kind of fading away, this is absolute truth. Like Christians, God has given us absolute truth. Everyone in the kingdom will answer to the king. You know that? Everyone will answer to the king. For those who saw the king, had an opportunity to bow a knee to him and rejected him, guess what? They're separated eternally from the love of Jesus Christ. Absolute truth. You think, well, God is mean then. Anybody think that? Like, 
Oh, well, God, you're just mean. If, if you think that, I, I want to push back and let's go have coffee on this because I would love this conversation. But if you think that, then you yourself are attributing evilness and, and badness to God. God is good. He's all good. Now, you can say this. I might not understand it. That's okay. There's a lot of things in Scripture I don't understand either. But there has to come to a point. We have to come to a point where we say, we don't understand it. That, that's okay. I'm not going to blame you for this, God, but I don't understand it. That, that's okay. I still bow my knee to you and I say that you are good and you are my king. I don't understand it, but God, I submit to you. You are my king. This parable is very clear. There's three types of people that this parable talks about to wrap this up. One, those that are about the Father's work, about making disciples, and they're doing well with that. Like, they're dreaming about and thinking about and living about and excited about telling others about the love of Christ wherever they go, their workplaces, whatever it may be. The more I serve Jesus, the more I want to serve Jesus. So the parable talks about them. Another type of people is others that, yeah, they've bowed a knee to the king and they've said, God, I've surrendered control of my life to you. But then they just kind of stopped right there. And Jesus says, I've given you so much. Be accountable to what I've given you, church. It's a great thing. If, if you find yourself in that category, I would say this morning, maybe pray, God, God, give me a fire. Ignite something in me so, so I want to go and I want to represent you wherever I go. Like, bring that to the forefront. It's not about busy schedules. It's not about sports. It's not about money. It's not about these things. But it's about injecting you into wherever I go in my life. Yes, injecting you into money, finding you in money, serving you with money, injecting you, finding you in everything that I do, in my sports, in my work, in my life, in my hours. God, it's all yours. This is all on loan for me. My life is, is a gift from you anyway, so may I serve you with my life. And if you are finding yourself right now in category number two, which is a Christian that's kind of asleep, wake up. This is a beautiful message, church. Pray that God would ignite something in you. And then the third type is, is a sad type. And maybe that's you today. You were invited here today. You don't have a relationship with God. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. But verse 27 is a warning for those people on earth that have not surrendered control of their life to Jesus. There comes a day when Jesus says, that's it. You had a choice. You chose to live life on your own. Depart from me. Church, what we call out to God as our king, surrender control of our life to him. Every moment of every day, it's such a joy and it's such a beauty. I would like us, we're gonna end this a little differently today. We spoke, there were a lot of words. This is a, this is a lot of verses to go through. There's so much that we can talk about in here. I'd encourage you, grab, a, grab someone um, to, go to, to you know, go to house church or coffee and continue to dig through scripture and, and pull it out and, and let God speak into your life. Like find someone to build a relationship with, to spur each other on to love and good deeds. Like find someone. Don't just leave here and then come back Sunday and not have fellowshiped with the church. Like let's go be the church and build relationships. And so I leave you with this. 
I pray that God shows you what he wants you to hear this morning in this passage. And I pray that if there's anything that's not sitting right, that you'll go wrestle with it with someone with God and say, God, show me yourself in this. This morning, I'm going to ask us if we would just close our, close our Bibles and let God begin to work on our heart. We're about to do something which is super incredible, and it's a baptism. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But what I want in this place right now is for us to get very introspective. Just close your eyes, and if you would, hold your hands out in front of you, just in a submission form, and say, God, this is about you, and it's not about me. And just quietly to yourself, would you you just, just talk with God for a few moments? Just say, God, I know you're showing me something. And even as we went through these verses, you were showing me something about who you are and who I am. I just have a conversation with God. Maybe, maybe some of us, we need to say, God, please wake me up a little bit. I, I know, I'm asleep, I know. But even in praying that, church, would you just say, don't let it be duty-based because it shouldn't be a duty. It shouldn't be a checklist. God, just grab my heart. Let me do the work. Let me spend time with you and walk with you and, and be with you. Empower me, God. Give me a fire. God, I pray that it's not fear that keeps us from telling others about you and making disciples. I pray it's love that drives us towards that. God, I pray in this room for every man, every woman, that you would put moments in our week, this week, that are just so obviously clear that you're using us to share this love message with someone. And I pray our schedule's not so busy that we just bypass it or don't even notice it. God, I pray that you make it so easy for us. More and more, we want to represent you every day of our life. So church, just ask God right now. God, give me the boldness, the passion, the fire. Let me walk in this love relationship and represent you. Maybe there's some in this room today who say, I've never given my life to Jesus Christ. Never surrendered control of my life to him. Maybe quietly where you're sitting, just say, God, I've tried life on my own. My actions, not the best. God, I am empty. Like, I'm done. I feel devastated. I I feel tired. God, would you take control of my life? Would you direct me? Would you forgive me? I want to line my life up with more like you, God. You're showing me that you're the ultimate love, the source of life and everything. So God, show me what that looks like. Here's my life. Church, I'm going to ask us right now, if you would, to, to just stand. And we're going to do things a little differently this morning because we are going to have a baptism. 
if you have a child in Project Kids, can you just leave, go get that child, and come back? Because one of the persons, one of the, one of the people getting baptized is actually a, a child worker. <laughs> and so he needs to get back here. So if you have a, a kid in Project Kids, quickly go down there with your tag. Get, retrieve your child. Come back here. And then we'll continue. But in this place right now, if, if you need prayer, go ahead and, and pray during this time. We'll have people up here on the front left to pray for you. But this moment right here is about you and God. Let's worship him and continue to just say, God, it's about you and not about me.